Hello, and welcome back to the Sorcery and Superstition podcast. This is a podcast that showcases short stories, mostly in the fantasy, sometimes science fiction realm, of authors that are newer to the genre, uh, who may not have stories published, or who may, but they're self-published. You know, these aren't large, well-known people that you hear about every day, or that you see on the bestseller racks, but they deserve just as much credit, because as you will tell, if you've listened to my podcast before, or if you listen now, these guys are incredible authors. There's a lot of good talent out there, and that's what I want to showcase. All right, so today's author is Grant Elliott Smith. And we used to do a interview portion of the podcast, but it was rather difficult, so we've started doing a questionnaire instead. So I asked him, so I did ask him a few questions about his story and about some other things, and I'll go ahead and read his answers to you. So the first one was, what is your story about? And he says, this is a story about a young man trying to find his way in the world. His elders at the temple disapprove of his lifestyle, and his girlfriend's father persuades them to find a way to break them up. Their actions actually drive the young man in a dangerous direction he never wanted to go. We often see this in the real world where people's prejudice and hate drive good people to do bad things. Is it part of a larger... I ask him if it was part of a larger work and progress, uh, a larger world that he writes in. Yes, this is a... Or I ask if this was part of a larger world that he writes in, or part of his work in progress. I wrote this short story when I took a break from the novel I was working on. I just needed a break from all the editing and needed to put my energy into something different. It is a self-contained story within its own world. I often find working on short stories more difficult than novels, since the story has to start, grow, and end with a satisfying ending in a limited amount of time. Do you have any books published? I have some short stories published in various anthologies. Also, I have the first two books of the Rathen series out already. You can also find them in audiobook format. As a little interlude here, in the middle I'll interject something, I will have a post, of course, with his Facebook page and a, a link to it where you can find his books and things, on the Sorcery and Superstition Facebook page. Back to the questions. What are you currently working on? Currently, I'm in the middle of the third book of the Rathen series. Do you have anything releasing soon? The audiobook for book two will be released this month from Spoken Realms. I hope to have book three of the Rathen series released this summer. Do you have a social media that people can follow, a website? You can find him at facebook.com slash the Rathen series. Rathen is R-A-T-H-E-N. I asked him to tell us a little bit about himself. Here's what he said. I'm originally from Indiana, but had the opportunity to live in England and Japan for several years. Traveling to various parts of the world and living in different cultures helped inspire me to create new fantasy worlds, races, and people. I started in poetry when I was younger, but always had a passion for writing stories. And as a final question, I ask him if there's anything else he would like you all to know. He said he would encourage you to listen to... He said he would encourage anyone who enjoys this story or fantasy to check out his Rathen series. The audiobooks are narrated by Chris McDonald, who also worked as a British actor before he started narrating books. I have been so impressed by his performance. He really brought the characters to life. So there you have it. And so, now, I've already told you a little bit about the story through the questionnaire, so I won't bother with that part. We can go ahead and go right into the story.
So, I guess without any further ado, we'll head into A Warlock's Revenge. Selvin spent the entire morning treading through the swamp. Each step in the thick mud threatened to remove the boots from his feet. With the midday sun burning his exposed skin, he moved quickly to reach the shade under the trees. A young wolf followed a few feet behind him, splashing and jumping around in the water. Dark mud completely covered the wolf's light gray fur. Selvin smiled at the playful frolics, but vigilantly kept his eyes on the path. Many creatures claim the soggy land as their home, including monsters of superstition and legend. Cain, come boy, he shouted for the young wolf to follow closer. While vile beasts did stalk the soggy domain, and a person needed to use caution where they went, over-exaggerated rumors had made a negative impact on the city of Fayhurst and the king. The temple deemed the swamp an evil place and pressured the king to take action to protect his people. In response, the king issued a royal decree that no one could enter the swamp without his permission. He respected the king and knew the risk well, but his research depended on finding a rare coil leaf that grew only in the swamp. The thin, bright red leaves that grew on vines that wrapped around the ancient moss trees found deep within the swamp. Selvin spun as a deep growl rose from the wolf's throat. In the deeper water to their left, he saw ripples approaching. Kane's playful splashing had attracted attention from something big. Kane, to me, now! Selvin cried out, hoping the wolf would understand. Kane stood his ground with his ears pulled back, baring his teeth and growling. A long snout surfaced from under the water, and Selvin saw two bulbous eyes about an arm's length from the snout. Cain, Selvin yelled, now desperate to help the young wolf. He knew a snout that long must belong to a swamp worm, one of the fiercest beasts in the area. Many believe the large snakes with their deadly large jaws and long legless bodies are kin to dragons. Selvin turned and rushed to the wolf, losing his boots in the mud. Reaching into his pouch, he took out a handful of fine powder. Cain, run! The wolf lowered his head, letting out a whimper. As the swamp worm raised his brown, scaled, dragon-like head above the water, the young wolf backed up. Selvin rushed closer, preparing his invocation. As the worm coiled its body, preparing to strike, Selvin stopped and chanted words as he spread the fine powder in the air. A cloud of darkness swirled around his hands. The worm sprang forward, engulfing the wolf in its jaws leaving only Cain's head outside his mouth. The wolf's cries of pain fueled Selvin's anger and determination to defeat the beast. Letting out a defiant yell, Selvin extended his hands. The dark cloud grew and shot out in a long bolt of swirling blackness, hissing as it sailed through the air. Before the beast had the chance to swallow the wolf, the bolt struck the worm's neck. The beast dropped Cain, letting out a shriek and coiling its body in pain. Selvin gathered his anger and rage into another invocation. Spreading his hands, a dark arc of energy flew from his fingers, striking the body of the flailing beast. The blackness of the spell spread to the body of the worm as it splashed and threw itself from side to side. With another ear-piercing shriek, the dragon king coiled and launched away from the fight. Selvin rushed to Kane's side, cautiously looking around. He did not expect anyone in the area, but he knew if someone witnessed his magic, they would report him to the temple. The wolf had puncture wounds from the beast's fangs and stood on shaking legs, weak but alive. Cain whimpered and warily wagged his tail 
as Selvin knelt by him. The young man carefully picked up the wolf and, still barefoot, headed home. Back at his house, located in the woods on the edge of the swamp, Selvin rushed into his study. With his elbow, he shoved paper from the top of a large table and carefully laid Cain on the surface. Hours passed as Selvin did what he could. The wolf continued to fight for his life. He gave Cain water and placed a blanket over him to keep him warm. I'll be back, boy, Selvin said, walking outside to get some fresh air. The only response came in the form of a half-hearted tail wag. Outside, the sun had sank beneath the tree line, allowing the air to cool. A fine mist rolled in from the swamp on a warm breeze. He looked up into the sky and sighed. He couldn't bear the thought of losing Cain. The sound of a snapping twig alerted him to the presence of someone or something nearby. He looked around the area, placing his hand inside of his bag of powder. Who's there? It's just me, a soft female voice called back. A tall young woman with long, dark hair came from around the small house, her dark blue summer dress blowing gently in the wind. Arena? What are you doing here? Selvin stood up and rushed to embrace her. The warmth of her body and the sweet fragrance of her hair lifted Selvin from his depression. It's all right. My father left town for a few days. I convinced him I needed to stay to tend the animals. I've come to stay with you, my love. Arena, I don't know. If they find you here, relax. We're far enough away from town. No one will know, Arena said, meeting Selvin's lips with a kiss. Selvin's worries melted within their embrace. Arena had stayed true to him, even after he moved away from town. With his powers growing, the townspeople, and especially the temple, shunned him, labeling him a warlock. He worried they would accuse Arena of being associated with the dark magic as well, so they limited their meetings to secret locations. He always felt eyes upon him in his house. Arena pulled away from their embrace and lifted a light blue sash from in front of her dress. I have something for you, my love. She smiled widely. Selvin looked into her large brown eyes and ran his hand down her dark hair. What have you brought me? He took the sash from her, unwrapping it. Inside rested a single bright red leaf. His eyes opened wide and his mouth fell open. A coil leaf. Arena, how? Shh. Just say thank you. It was all you talked about the last time we met. Arena softly spoke. Arena, the swamps are too dangerous. I don't want you walking through them. Ever. I wanted to make you happy, Arena said, her smile slowly fading. Selvin embraced her tightly. I just don't want to lose you. Today, Cain and I were attacked. Selvin stopped, remembering the young wolf that lay dying a short distance from them. Come, Cain has been injured. Selvin took Arena's hand and led her into the study. Cain lay on the table, too weak to turn his head as they entered. Arena gasped at the sight of the young wolf. What did this? she asked. A swamp worm. How did you get away? Arena asked, eyes focused intently on his. It was young. I invoked a few spells that hurt it enough for it to flee. You defeated a swamp worm? She asked, eyes widening. Selvin nodded. You've become so powerful, my love, Arena said. Now, what can we do for Cain? 
Selvin held up the sash containing the coil leaf. With this, there are many things I can try, but I need time, he said, glancing back toward Arena. But he doesn't have long with those injuries. She placed her hand on Selvin's shoulder. Do what you can. I'll stay with him. She walked over to Kane, kneeling down. Kane reacted to seeing Arena by giving an excited yelp. He remembers me. You're a hard woman to forget, Selvin said, looking through his books and scrolls. Arena softly stroked Kane's fur. I remember when you first found him. Selvin laughed. Yes, a scrawny pup looking for scraps of food. I fed him when he came around, but it took a long time before he really trusted me. He's been a good friend for the past three years. Selvin looked up toward Arena. Has it been that long since I left Fayhurst? It has, my love. The power of the temple grows stronger while the king grows old. There are rumors the temple will take over Fayhurst any day now. Who's in charge of the temple these days? Selvin asked, looking back through his pages. Laszlo, Arena said. He's bishop now. What? And who bestowed that title upon him? He did, Arena said with a laugh. It's obvious the temple's power grows out of control. They continued talking while Selvin searched frantically for a spell to heal the wounds and save his four-legged companion. Kane is getting weaker. Is there anything you can do for him? Arena asked, a tear running down her face. Selvin hung his head, slamming his fist down on his books. No! Even with all I've learned in the past years, there's nothing I can do for him. His anger raged, his body tightened. He wanted revenge on the worm that did this. He wanted to track it down and kill it. He'd grown so powerful, but still felt helpless. A soft touch on his shoulder snapped him out of his fit of anger. Then come, my love. Let's sit with him and offer what comfort we can for what time he has left, Arena gently whispered. He relaxed, recognizing the compassionate wisdom in her suggestion. Yes, my dear. Selvin sat with Arena, both stroking the wolf's fur and speaking softly to him as his breathing grew more labored. Soon, the young wolf took his last breath. As the final air left his lungs, Arena burst into tears. Selvin's sadness threatened to turn to anger once again, but seeing Arena crying brought back a deep sadness within himself. The pain of loss seemed a constant in his life. Losing his parents at an early age and being left to fend for himself. Losing his home, being driven from town, shunned. Everything he had had been taken. And his anger over those fueled his dark magic. He felt moved by Irina's soft heart. Even with her own losses in life, she harbored no anger. Selvin stroked Kane's fur for the final time. He stood up and embraced Arena as she continued to cry. He picked her up and carried her into the bedroom. Their sadness and his anger fueled their passion together in bed. Her soft body and loving touch helped to take his pain away. With his mind unable to rest, he watched Arena as she lay sleeping next to him. His eyes wandered admiringly, taking in her porcelain skin, long hair, and slender body. Their relationship had given him the strength and courage to pursue his desire of mastering the mystic arts. When he started his studies over four years ago, 
Arena, had just turned 16, and her father had forbidden her to continue their relationship. Her mother died when Arena was young, but her father worked hard to become a well-respected member of Fayhurst and feared unwanted attention from the temple. Against her father's demand, Arena continued their relationship. Now, at 23, Selvin knew he stood at the edge of mastery because of tales about people evoking the mystic powers for great destruction. Most people considered the mystic arts inherently evil. Selvin knew the arts gave power, but he also knew good and evil resided in the heart of the invoker, not within the power itself. Selvin's thoughts drifted back to Cain. The guilt of not being able to save the wolf still weighed heavy on his mind. Lying in bed, a thought struck him, and he realized a way he could have used the coil leaf to heal the wolf. It hadn't occurred to him in the stress of the moment, but now it seemed so simple. He fumed at himself for overlooking it. His face flushed as he sat up in bed with a heavy sigh. Arena stirred. He looked over at her sleeping soundly, quietly got up, and left the room. Selvin walked back into the study to examine the coil leaf. He picked up the bright red leaf and closely looked over its coarse surface. An ingenious idea hit him, causing him to glance over to Kane's body over on the table. He picked up one of his spell books and tore through the pages. Soon, he found the spell he was looking for, a spell that would enhance another spell by making the effect long-lasting. Bound with excitement, he ground the coil leaf with his mortar and pestle. Adding the fine ground to a well-measured amount of lighter powder, he lifted the wolf's body and carried it outside. A thick evening mist drifted from the swamp, hiding the midnight moon above. Selvin laid Kane's body on the damp grass and prepared himself. Spreading the fine powder over the animal, Selvin chanted, invoking the mystic energy deep within. A cloud of darkness took form around him, humming and sparking with energy. The sounds from the creatures in the swamp and neighboring forest silenced. The cloud of darkness spun around Selvin's body as he chanted more passionately. The darkness collected above him and then crashed over the wolf's body like a wave. It entered Cain's mouth and nose and clung tightly to his body. Once the cloud had been fully absorbed, he stopped his chanting. I've done my best, but will it be enough? His thoughts wandered as he looked up into the thick mist, searching for the sky. The sound of Cain moving caught his attention. Cain! Selvin called out. The wolf let out a soft whimper, and his tail slowly started to twitch. Selvin inspected the puncture wounds on the wolf's body. They showed no evidence of healing yet. He had only used half of the coil leaf powder, and considered trying a few more spells, but knew he should wait until the morning. He had to understand Cain's current state before he could improve it. Selvin sat with Kane as the wolf gained strength and eventually started walking. The wolf was in good spirits and seemed not to have any pain. Selvin carefully inspected the wounds, again finding no change. The wounds should have closed, and why didn't Kane show signs of pain from the wounds? It was as if the magic had brought back Kane's life, but failed to heal his body. Maybe the mixture needed other ingredients or more coil leaf? With most of his strength restored, the wolf turned toward the forest, ears raised. Go on, boy. Come back in the morning and let's get you fixed up. Kane let out an excited bark and ran off into the mist. Selvin stood back up and entered the house, feeling happy that he had accomplished a victory over death itself 
his greatest accomplishment to date. He wanted to tell Arena, but knew she should sleep. At least until morning. Selvin felt too excited to sleep, and instead spent the rest of the night recording the event in his journal. Good morning. Have you been up all night? Arena asked Selvin as she entered the study. Selvin jumped to his feet, wiping the tiredness from his face. Arena, I've done it. I saved Cain. That's wonderful, my love, Arena said, looking around the room. Where is he? He's in the woods. Come. He took her hand and led her outside. The mist had cleared under the morning sun, revealing the fresh green shapes of the forest. Cain, Selvin yelled, turning back to Arena. He's alive, but I need to do more work on him. What do you mean? You'll see. He's fine. Cain, he called again. The sounds of horses approaching could be heard from around the house. Selvin's mind fell with panic. Arena, get in the house. Without speaking, Arena ran back into the study. Selvin's heart raced. He reached for the bag of magic dust on his side, his nervous legs threatening to give out as he walked around the house. Four armored riders, wearing long white tunics, each armed with swords and bows. The temple guard. This is bad. Selvin dared not run away with Arena in the house. He had to protect her and send these guards away as quickly as he could. His magic dust still held half of the coil leaf, only making it useful for healing invocations. He had no time to get the dust for attacking and was effectively unarmed. Taking a deep breath and masking his fear, he stepped out. What do you want? He spoke boldly. Two guards pulled their swords upon seeing him while one guard pulled out a parchment. Unraveling the paper, he read from it. Selvin Turn, by order of the bishop, you are hereby requested to appear in front of the temple and be judged for your crimes against the morality of the kingdom. Selvin's fear turned to rage. A hot flash poured over him as he called out in anger. What is this crime I am accused of? Obeying a warlock, the guard answered. With closed fists, Selvin replied, I am not a warlock, and your temple has no jurisdiction over me. The king has entrusted the city over to the temple and bestowed power to the bishop. This is nonsense, Selvin yelled. The guard turned to the three. Check the house. See if she's inside. Stop. What are you doing? Selvin moved towards the guards. We know Radame's daughter is here. She's been under watch. Now just come along with us, the guard said. Two of the guards forced the door open and entered the house. No, Arena, run! Selvin yelled, loudly hoping Arena could hear. The sound of a deep growl caused Selvin to look behind him. It was Cain. A large portion of his gray fur around his wounds had been torn off, revealing the underlying flesh. Cain, stay, Selvin spoke, knowing what the guards would say if they saw the wolf in his current condition. Cain ignored his words and ran towards the two guards, who gasped in disbelief. Kill the abomination! Take its body as evidence! Cain sprang at the closest guard. Knocking him down, an arrow from another guard pierced Cain's body, but Cain did not react. Instead, the wolf attacked furiously while the guard moved to protect himself. The two guards who entered the house carried Arena, who fought them by kicking and screaming. Stop! Selvin cried out. He stood helplessly without his mystic dust to invoke spells to attack. Selvin, run! Arena screamed. Unable to fight, Selvin made the decision to flee. Arena's screams and the sounds of Cain's attack intensified as he turned and ran towards the swamp. As Rodomar's daughter, they would not harm Arena, but for him, 
Escaping was his only hope to avoid being taken to the temple. The guards would not likely follow him into the swamp. With Cain's unfinished healing, they would certainly judge Selvin guilty of being a warlock and burn him alive. As his bare feet sank into the cold mud, an intense pain shot into his back. He looked down at his chest to see the head of an arrow protruding inches out. Arena could be heard screaming in the distance. Selvin fought the searing pain and continued into the swamp until his legs could no longer hold him. The cold water of the swamp splashed in his face as he crawled on all fours, desperately trying to cover more distance. His head grew faint and his strength drained. He looked back, satisfied he was deep enough into the swamp. He could not hear or see the guards following behind him. He knew death was upon him, but was content the temple would be deprived the joy of burning his body. He panted heavily, trying to breathe. Still on his hands and knees, he watched as his blood drained from the hole in his chest, down the tip of the arrow. The red mixed with the dark mud. All is lost. Arena, my love, I'm sorry that I could not protect you. Cain, I am sorry I could not fully heal you. Cain, that's it. He still had the contents of the coil leaf in his bag. Selvin sat up on his knees, reaching for his pouch of mystic dust. He pulled the full contents from the bag and chanted the spell he had performed on Cain. A dark cloud formed around him, spinning violently. The humming vibrated his body and the sparks of energy crackled in his ears. He continued to chant until the swirling mass poured in his mouth and down his throat, stealing his breath. He became faint and soon his vision faded as his body collapsed in the mud. A tug on his leg woke Selvin from his sleep. He lifted his face, coughing up water and mud. Clearing the mud from his eyes, he looked around in confusion. He blinked several times, attempting to adjust his vision. Everything appeared in shades of gray, void of any color or detail. He looked back to see a large swamp rat pulling strands of flesh off his leg. The vermin was the size of a small dog and briefly looked at Selvin as it chewed on a piece of muscle it had stripped from his leg. Be gone! Selvin yelled in a dry, raspy voice. His voice startled the rat, making it back away before scurrying off with the flesh still in his mouth. Selvin sat up, looking over his shredded leg and exposed bone. His arms and legs looked as if other vermin had taken bits of his flesh as he slept. The tip of the arrow still remained in his chest. He reached up, pulling it free. There was no pain, but he moaned in sorrow. Tossing the arrow aside, he looked over the pale skin of his hands. He knew what he had become, and shared the same problem as Cain. His life essence had been restored by the spell, but his body had died. Anger fueled his recovery to move. The temple will pay for this. I will kill everyone, even the town of Bayhurst. They will all pay. Selvin stood up and looked into the sky to see a full moon overhead. His vision and his condition was so poor he could not differentiate day from night. I must have been lying here all day. I can't let Arena see me like this. Reaching for his bag of dust, he found it empty. He needed more coil leaf if he would be able to heal his body. He looked over toward his home before he turned and started walking deeper into the swamp. His actions did not require any amount of strength, only the concentration. He learned how to walk on his new legs. He felt no pain or chills from the cold water. He felt nothing. 
as fascinating as his condition was for his studies. He wanted to restore his body as quickly as possible. Selvin had never walked in the swamp at night before, out of fear of the many dangerous nocturnal creatures searching for food. His fears were well-founded, as he saw large crocs, enormous snakes, frogs, and various vermin all scurrying and slithering around. While his vision was not clear, he could sense the living creatures around him. He felt concerned about being able to protect himself, but his worries faded as the creature seemed to move away when he approached. He smiled briefly, thinking about all the times he had walked this area, hoping to catch a glimpse of a mystical creature. Now, he was one. He could see a large collection of willow trees in the distance after hours of walking. Directly behind, he sensed a long body of what he thought was another swamp worm. Nothing had attacked him yet, but he needed to find mandrake root to grind into powder for attack invocations. Until then, he needed to be careful. Cautiously, he entered the dry land of the grove looking for the bright red leaves. His eyes, still unable to see fine detail or to show color, he searched without success. They must be here, but I can't see red! Sylvan roared with fury, his harsh voice filling the night, silencing the sounds of wildlife around him. His hands clenched into tight fists. The inability to see colors had doomed him. His mind turned dark and focused on revenge. He raised his hands into the air, head turned towards the sky as he cursed the temple for his condition. A swirling dark mass started to expand above him. Confused, Selvin lowered his hands and let go of his rage. As he did, the mass disappeared. That's it. I don't need my dust anymore. The mystic energies are bound to me now. Do I even need the healing powers of the coil leaf? More confident in his powers, but uncertain of his healing ability, he did the best he could to collect samples that held the shape of coil leaves. Carefully tucking them into his pouch, he stepped out of the grove. He moved toward the shape of the swamp worm and started to collect his anger. The beast that attacked Cain was still out here somewhere and deserved to be destroyed. As he had expected, before he got too close, the worm coiled to attack. Selvin gathered all his anger and frustration into a giant cloud of darkness that crackled and hissed with ferocity. The large dragonkin sprang at him. It was much larger than the beast that had injured Cain. This old worm would certainly test his new powers. Selvin directed the humming cloud toward the beast as it came toward him. The darkness encased the worm, causing it to screech in pain. Selvin's anger did not let down. He continued to summon and throw his dark powers at the beast until it stopped moving. Selvin thought only of his revenge and continued his assault on any living creature within range, killing them all. When all life was gone around him, he threw his crackling black mass at the trees and watched as it sucked the life from them until there were nothing more than dead branches. Selvin let go of his rage and fell to his knees. They made me this. It was their fault. Before I restore myself, I must destroy them all. Selvin walked back to his house to find it a pile of smoldering rubble. Anger took over him again. His eyes searched for a victim to cast his fury. Likely the temple had burned his house and with it, his research. Movement from the nearby trees caught his attention. He readied his hands that were already shrouded in darkness. Cain, he cried out lowering his hands. The wolf ran over to him, barking with excitement. More fur was missing from his body. Cain nudged his hands with his snout before rolling over on the ground. Normally, Selvin would scratch the wolf's belly. 
Kane now had only exposed muscle showing where fur used to be. Selvin scratched the wolf's exposed flesh as he had done before, knowing that Kane probably couldn't feel it. But the familiarity with the ritual seemed to give them both comfort. Sifting through the charred remains of his home, very little could be salvaged. All his notes and journals had been burned, leaving only a stone mortar and pestle. He took the leaves from his pouch carefully, comparing them to his image of a coil leaf, and tossing those off to the side he doubted. His mind thought back to Arena, giving him a leaf before all this happened and how happy he felt when he was with her. No doubt the temple had taken her back to her father. He needed to quickly find the cure and reunite with her. He sat down in the grass and ground the leaves into dust. All the while, Cain played in the area periodically, scratching himself against the bark of a nearby tree. That explains where all his fur is gone. Cain, he called to the wolf. His spells were now ready to test. The wolf panted at Selvin, with a black tongue hanging out of his mouth. Don't worry, boy. I'll fix you up. Selvin conjured a dark cloud as he spread coil leaf dust over Cain. His chanting caused the black clouds to encase the wolf. He stopped chanting and looked at the wolf with excitement. There was no change. Through the next several hours, he thought of invocations, did calculations, and cast more spells on the wolf as he laid next to him. Selvin sat down, mentally exhausted. Nothing had any effect on Kane's condition. He was only able to determine that the mystic energy flowed through the wolf's body, holding Kane's life essence in place, but failed to do the same for the body. These mystic energies could not be influenced by further invocations, meaning that eventually his flesh would rot naturally and fall off, leaving Cain to live in his bones until those two turned to dust. Unfortunately, Selvin would now likely share the same fate. He groaned at the idea of living in the swamp as a half-dead mystic until he rotted away. Unfortunately, he now resembled the public's idea of what a warlock was, he wondered how many people he would have to kill before they stopped hunting him and left him alone. Selvin thought about hastening his demise, but cast out such selfish thoughts. Life, in any form, is a rare gift that he would not throw it away so carelessly. As long as Arena remained in his life, he would accept his fate. He could even see himself making a nice place out there in the willow grove. Cain collapsed on the grass, giving out a whimper. What's wrong, boy? Selvin shouted, running to the wolf's side. The wolf looked up at him with his crusted-over eyes. Even without the show of expression, Selvin knew something was very wrong. Cain laid his head on the ground, his body stiffened as the dark energy seeped from his body, nose, and mouth. Selvin watched in agony as the cloud slowly dissipated in the air. No! He knew the mystic energy that preserved Cain's life essence had just been extinguished. I can do it again! I'm sure I can do it again. Selvin grabbed what remained of the coil leaf powder and chanted over Kane's body. The mystic energy once again hovered over the wolf, but this time did not bring him back. After many unsuccessful attempts, Selvin sat back and looked upon Kane with his dead eyes. His throat tightened in unshed tears of sorrow and anger. If the mystic energies left Kane's body, then it was only a matter of time before they left his. Looking up in the sky, he could sense the morning sun. If he brought Cain back around midnight the night before, then likely he had only a day left to live. His acceptance of the situation was in vain, and once again, he raged. And today, 
I shall destroy the temple and all of Bayhurst so they will all join me in death. After sifting through the embers of his home one final time, Selvin set off to the forest toward Bayhurst with his mind focused on revenge. Before arriving, he stopped in a barn after making sure the owners were not around. He picked up a horse blanket hanging on a post and covered himself. He knew he would not make it very far into town looking the way he did without the entire temple garrison coming down on him. Two temple guards stood on the far end of the bridge entering town. Selvin's mind set on finding and killing Laszlo. Anyone who stood in his way would share the bishop's fate. He kept his face covered while the rest of the blanket covered his upper body. Halt! No one may enter without permission from the temple. The guard on the right spoke. Continuing to approach the two, Selvin spoke in a deep, raspy voice. And what does the king say about that? The king is irrelevant, the other guard spoke smugly. The impudent words regarding the king ignited Selvin's anger. He flung the blanket off him, raising his hands that erupted into darkened fury. The temple's control of this town ends today! By the gods, one guard cried out upon seeing Selvin's rotting body. Both guards pulled their weapons as they were consumed by the black mystic energy. The screams of anguish fueled Selvin's rage as he continued to throw more clouds of darkness until the guards fell to the ground and turned silent. Hands ready, Selvin looked over the area, searching for more targets. No one. Selvin continued over the bridge, leaving the blanket on the ground. It was no use hiding now. The whole city must have heard the screams. For the first time in over three years, Selvin walked the streets of Fayhurst. Temple guards seemed to be standing on each block watching over the townspeople. How many guards did the temple have now? There was no doubt how the town was taken. As Selvin walked through the streets, arrows from the guards shot through his body without effect. He summoned a mass of darkness so large it hovered overhead like a thundercloud. Hurling his darkness at the guards, he watched as his powers grew stronger and pulled the life from their bodies, leaving only a dry husk. Compassion stayed his hand when he saw members of the town run for cover. His fight was with the temple, and it had become obvious Fayhurst was just as much a victim of the bishop as he. The dark cloud overhead hummed and crackled the more Selvin invoked the mystic powers, making for an awe-inspiring sight. With a dozen guards dispatched, the temple's spires came into view. Selvin wielded the mystic mass with precision, taking out a dozen more before reaching the temple grounds. The grounds were empty and silent, but he could sense several people inside the temple walls. Laszlo. Selvin paused. He glanced up over the small graveyard and tombstones toward a small mound, referred to as Hero's Hill. It was a small area, next to the temple where four town heroes were buried. King Lankin, the previous king, and even King Matthias, himself, the founder of the city of Fayhurst, rested there next to two famous fighters who were both once captain of the king's guards. Selvin recalled when he used to sit on the mound and study his books as a youth. Growing up, many evenings were spent on Hero's Hill, standing beside Arena, talking about the many great things they would do when they grew up. Selvin looked at his flesh falling from his hands and sighed. None of his dreams had been realized. And this would be his last day to live. It's time to end this. 
Selvin walked to the large double doors and attempted to pull them open. They would not budge. Damn you, Laszlo. I will tear down these doors with my bare hands to get to you if I have to. His fury sent sparks on a dark cloud overhead. He held his hands toward the doors, palms facing out. The dark energy crashed into the doors with such force it erupted in a deafening boom. As the black mass continued to shoot out from Selvin's hands, the layers of wood on the door started to peel away, as if they were being burned by fire. After several minutes, the door gave way to a large hole. Just as the hole became large enough to walk through, the mystic powers stopped flowing through Selvin. He dropped to the stone steps like a bag of bones, unable to move. Are my powers giving out so soon? I still have time left in my day. Perhaps my heavy use of the mystic powers is quickly draining what I have left in me. But I'm not done. I have more to kill. Two guards peered out of the hole in the doors from inside the temple. They looked over Selvin's collapsed body. He's dead, one shouted back into the temple. The other guard looked up into the dark cloud that continued to hum with power. After a brief silence, Laszlo peered through the hole. Then dispose of that wretched body. Hearing Laszlo's voice, Selvin's mind boiled with fury. Laszlo. His raspy voice spoke as he did his best to stand. Laszlo gasped in horror, running back away from the door. The two guards visibly shook with fear. I've come to kill you for what you've done, Selvin spoke. This was it, his chance for revenge. He needed to pull it together for a few minutes longer. His mind drifted back to thoughts of Cain and Arena. Sweet Arena. He would never again see her beautiful face or hold her hand. Never again would they lay with each other, nor be allowed to grow old as a couple. As his rage festered, the dark cloud overhead slowly lowers itself around Sylvan's body. He became covered in the crackling and humming that seemed to lift him up to his feet. Selvin, still encased in the darkness, stepped through the temple's doors. Cries of terror could be heard from deep inside the temple. Selvin sensed the guards in front of him and sent some of the blackness flying at them. Their bones were stripped of flesh before they had time to even run. Five guards surrounded the bishop toward the back of the temple. Selvin sent the black mass around him into a swirling frenzy before casting it toward the group. No longer encased in the cloud, he lumbered awkwardly forward. He heard the guards call him an abomination upon sight. The guards shifted their shields toward Selvin and held their swords high. The black mass hit the guards, swirling around, hitting all five, but not affecting Laszlo. Selvin's dried lips stretched into a smile as he watched the bishop shiver in fear, watching his guards screaming as they were slowly ripped apart. Now you know how it feels to have things taken from you, Selvin said. Laszlo watched the bodies of the guards collapse to the floor. He looked up at Selvin with wide eyes. You're an abomination of nature. You're evil. You are a warlock. Laszlo screamed, his voice echoing off the temple's walls. Selvin slowly approached. The bishop stood his ground with fear stretched across his face. I am what you've made me. It was you who killed me. It forced me to become this. Selvin held up his now bony hands. Laszlo laughed defiantly. I have not made you. Look at you. You are a walking corpse. Look at all the destruction you have brought. You are no better than the other warlocks who have wreaked havoc in the world. Your name will be associated with those wretched souls 
forever disgraced. Selvin controlled his temper. You have taken the city away from the king and claimed it as your own. This alone should have sentenced you to death. The king was weak. We took what we needed. His time along with the era of monarchy is over. A holy temple shall provide for the people. Laszlo spoke, now standing up straight, chest out. No, Selvin spoke softly. The people do not want to be ruled by a bishop, a ruler that restricts movement and its people. Selvin spoke, losing strength again and falling to his knees. What's wrong, boy? Are you losing your unholy powers? Now can we toss your body in the fire and be rid of you once and for all? Laszlo spoke, taking a step forward. No! Selvin shouted. I am not evil. I am only the product of an evil man. You! Selvin gathered his anger and stood back up, invoking a swirling mass, and cast it toward Laszlo. The bishop took a step back and held up his hands. No! Slowly, very slowly, you shall die, Selvin said, directing the dark mass at Laszlo's feet. It circled each leg, slowly removing the clothes and flesh as it made its way up the bishop's body. Laszlo screamed in agony, falling to the floor. He held his hand up to his face as the flesh gave way to bone. Soon the skin from his face was stripped, leaving only the hair on his head. Selvin walked up to Laszlo and watched Bishop's intact eyes look at him on his fleshless skull. Now die, Selvin spoke as mystic energy spread around Laszlo's face. Laszlo exhaled his final breath. Selvin, a female voice shouted from the front of the temple. Arena? Selvin, my love, Arena said running up to him. Selvin stepped back, hesitant of showing her what he had become. Arena showed no sign of rejection as she embraced him tightly. Regretfully, he could not feel her touch or smell her scent. You've destroyed the temple, she asked, looking around. Yes, but I am too weak to defend myself from the townspeople. They will likely burn me now. Nonsense, she said. She pulled from their embrace and looked into his face. Again, Selvin desired to stare into her big brown eyes. You have saved this town from the temple. Now the king can reclaim control without the worry of being overthrown. Selvin's mind eased and his anger faded, knowing he had helped Fayhurst. His legs gave out, again sending him crashing to the floor. Arena, my dear, I don't have much time left. Arena spoke through her tears. Then come, my love. Let's spend what time you have left together. Arena helped him to walk out of the temple and sat down on Hero's Hill. He leaned against her where they had sat so many times before. Selvin could see the mystic energy leaving his body as he grew weaker. The last words he heard before everything faded out were the soft whispers from Arena. I will always love you. Five years later, Arena sat with a four-year-old boy on Hero's Hill, overlooking a quiet sunset. The two had a blanket stretched out in front of a new tombstone on the hill, situated next to the four previous stones. The new one was inscribed, Savior of Fayhurst, Selvin Tiern. Arena, are you coming home soon? A man called out from the distance. Soon, father, 
The sun is just about to go down. Arena spoke. I have dinner prepared for you two. The man spoke before walking away. The little boy turned toward Arena. Mother, can you tell me the story again of how Father saved the city? Arena smiled and patted her son on the head. Of course, my love. The end. Well, I hope you enjoyed the story. That was a warlock. Ah, a warlock's revenge. I make it through the whole story, but now I'm tongue-tied. By Grant Elliott Smith. I thought it was a wonderful story. It was maybe a little longer than some of the ones we do, but uh, worth it, I think. I really enjoyed it, and I, I hope you guys enjoyed it. I'm sorry there was a bit of a pause and some length in there between these ones, but I had a uh, very nice vacation while I was gone in Bend with my wonderful, loving girl, who's just amazing. And so I had to take a little bit of a break, and now we're back, and everything should be back in the swing of things. I feel like I say that quite often, but hopefully it's true. So I hope you enjoyed the story, and that's all I have for you this week. Um, be sure to check out the Facebook page for updates and any information about the authors. That's facebook.com slash sorcery and superstition. All right, guys. Till next time, have a magical day. <laughs>